And welcome to your Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso, Clay Ferrero here uh, on this difficult weekend for the Miami Hurricanes. It was a good week overall in South Florida sports. The Heat finally bounced back. The Dolphins, of course, Thursday night will get into that big win. But, Clay, all the talk right now, I think, among Canes fans, and even after the Dolphins win on Thursday, brought some hope to town, is what happened on Saturday in Tallahassee. Uh, Look, the Canes fought back. They fought hard. But all of a sudden, the questions about Manny Diaz are rising. And didn't we just have this conversation last week that Manny Tyler Van Dyke may be saving Manny's job? Are we back to the Manny's job is in trouble now because of this loss? Well, yeah. And, and when it's college football, one game, <clears throat> excuse me, can mean a lot. And especially when it's a rivalry game. And especially when the reason why you lost the game was reminiscent of so many other problems that we've seen under Manny Diaz coached Hurricanes team. So, you know, I, I think – if if we ultimately see Manny Diaz fired at the end of the season, the penalties are a big reason why turnovers, mistakes, things like that. Play, yeah. But but if you want to take a snapshot, it's fourth and fourteen, and you know what was it against North Carolina a couple years ago? Wasn't it like fourth and fourth and, and eleven, sixteen, yeah, something 16, like that? Seventeen, yeah, it was like a twenty yard gain, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at some point, like you you have to make those plays, and especially when it's against your rival and. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like reactionary, and yet I was leaning towards Manny coming back leading mm-hmm. into this past weekend. I think you and I were on the same page in that he was kind of like at least trending in that direction. I think the feeling, by the way, was more so that if things kept up how they were going and you looked at the remaining schedule and it, it was you could easily see a path for them to win out. And yet when you go to Florida State, and you fall behind because of self-inflicted errors. And and frankly, Manny Diaz getting in the in, in the post-game Zoom and saying, well, we were too hyped up. Yeah. Well, whose I, fault is that? Yeah, how does that work? Isn't that to somebody to blame? I mean, yeah. is it Manny? I mean, yeah. that's, you're the coach. It's your job to keep them from it. And, and I thought it was also not great when you're saying this about the team being too hyped up after the game and the camera had just caught you on the sideline in between the third and fourth quarter – Jumping up and down and going like if if you can tell that your team is too overhyped, then it's your job to bring them down. And so it just well, I I just I went from from feeling like he was trending towards saving his job Mm -hmm. and maybe making some coordinator switches or or rolling with Tyler Van Dyke and seeing what the ceiling is for this program moving forward. And now when you start to see something like that, it just it feels like it's going back the other direction. I'm not sure you can get it back. Well, I, I will say this. We said it last week, and I think you just brought it up with Tyler Van Dyke. I think if there's anything that could save Manny right now, somebody is going to have to take the fall if this continues, right? The undisciplined play has to fall on the coaching staff, not just Manny, the entire staff, but Manny being the head of that staff is supposed to oversee issues that continue to happen. Look, the penalties the lack of, again, disciplined plays and the personal fouls, just the dumb plays. The time management is an issue. The decision-making at the end, the fourth or 14, as you referenced, this is not the first time something like that has happened. And the fact that the defense gives up big plays, the defense that Manny said before the season was for him to fix as now the defensive coordinator and head coach. I think that there are a couple issues in play here as to why I don't think it's the final straw. Like we're asking, is the final straw for Manny? And and I think the answer is no, for a couple of reasons. Manny's under contract. And I'm not sure UM is ready right now. Blake came out a few weeks ago and said, look, things have to be better. Julio Frank had his statement about, you know, kind of barking back at Kirk Herbstreet's comments. But the Kings don't want to go out there and fire a head coach under contract, go have to find another one, the buyout, all those different things, spend money on on who. And I always ask you this question. I ask fans the same. If you fire Manny, who do you hire and how do you hire him? 
know, where do you go? How do you pay them? I mean, there's money there, but money that the school seems reluctant to want to spend. And I think with Manny, how does he save his job? Why this is, is not the final straw? Because here's a scenario I'll paint for you, Clay, and I think you will admit it's likely. Canes win their final two games. Sorry about Virginia Tech. I know that they're, they're struggling right now, but you're, you're going to get your wish with Justin Fuente anyways. Canes win their final two games, right? They go 7-5, they go to some crappy bowl. They go to this bad bowl, and in this bowl they win, they go 8-5. and five. Manny Diaz, and then Tyler Van Dyke is trending in the right direction. He plays well because on Saturday, Tyler did not play well, but he showed that, remember that word we used last week, that moxie, that toughness, that leadership ability that he bounces back as a freshman to make plays and put them in position to win. So do the math. You win those two games, you go to a bowl. Let's say you win that game, you go eight and five. I don't, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think even the most pessimistic Kane fan that wants Manny out could admit that could happen given the talent they have and given Van Dyke. They go eight and five. They win six of their final seven games. One of those being a last second loss on a fourth and 14 to Florida state. That is what Manny, I think, and Blake James will hang their hat on going into the offseason. Hey, there was growth. We went six and one down the stretch. Tyler Van Dyke's our quarterback. We showed you that we can develop and he's going to be a leader. And you saw Jalen Knight and you see the young receivers and the young players on defense, you know, the safeties. We have a path to get better. Now, again, this isn't me speaking. This is me saying what I think you can say. If that happens, I think Manny keeps his job. I do. If the Canes somehow fall one of these next couple games, go to that bad bowl and lose and end up, you know, whatever it is, six and six, six and seven, seven and six, and continue to play the way undisciplined that they play the undisciplined football, then I think, yes, then I think Manny, there could be an opportunity for Blake James to look elsewhere. I just, I ask you, Clay, who, what's the answer? Who is the person they replace him with? It's not Mario Cristobal. Canes fans want to say Mario Cristobal. It's not Mario Cristobal. He, he may win a national title in Oregon. Well, a guy that we were talking about off off camera before is Lane Kiffin, and and I I feel like with him he's got a quarterback Matt Corral that that I mean he may end up being the the first quarterback taken in the draft at least one of the top three or five quarterbacks taken in the draft and Ole Miss is is really it's a dead end job because you're in the 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 SEC West you're always going to be behind LSU and Alabama and and probably Auburn and uh, so Texas A and M so you're 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 at a spot where it's going to be really hard to win and, and you would be kind of selling yourself high. And I also think he's somebody that I think we know that he's wanted to be at you. Yes. He was at, he was at FAU in South Florida. I will stop you real quick. Cause I want to ask you this. Do you see him as a guy knowing what Julio Frank is like, right. And wanting the perception of the program is, you think he'd go for an outspoken guy with a little bit of a history of that kind of outspokenness that, that Lane Kiffin has and the controversy he comes with from his stops in the NFL and at Tennessee, you, could you see Dr. Julio Frank and then saying to Blake James when, hey, when he comes to him, I'm going to hire Lane Kiffin saying, go ahead, hire him. I'm not sure if that's a fit for the university. And by the way, I'm a Lane Kiffin guy. I like Lane Kiffin. I think if Lane gets in front of the president, Lane can explain himself in a way. Because the one I mean, thing that I think, I, I think he can. I, I think he can. And, and you know, <laughs> one of my favorite things ever was when he did the FAU. I think it was an FAU season ticket thing. And he just said, Come to miserable. FAU. It's so exciting. Come by season take. But you you see how he's able to recruit. And and I, I feel like he's somebody who, if you look at his resume, he hasn't really failed anywhere. He took over a USC program. He that, a lot. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but look, he took over a USC program that, I mean, you're dealing with the Reggie Bush fallout and you're, you're, you're fighting uphill. Oh, I think he's a good coach. I think he's an excellent coach. So I think he could go in there and, and sell, look, this is what happened at these different spots. I was also what 30, 29, 30 years old when I took over as, as the Raiders head coach. 
I think you can kind of sell it. And and also, look, he hasn't done a whole lot of controversial stuff recently. So no, he's just I, outspoken. I think, he's just outspoken. I mean, that's his thing. He's not afraid and, to speak out. You know, And I think he's somebody that if he gets in front of the president of the university, he could say this, 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 and this. And I also think, by the way, well, you're talking about money. I, I think he's somebody who gets it enough. He's made a lot of money in his career. I mean, just the NFL would view, yeah. yeah. And I mean, he could view coming to Miami as a chance to look, I, I take low-end money at the beginning for uh, an ACC caliber head coach, and yet you you build up your credibility nationally through in a couple of years, you're winning, and yeah. you can either go to the board of trustees and say, hey, I want to get paid at the top of the ACC, or I can go look for a job elsewhere. So I can see a world where a lot of that would make sense. So, I, I mean, bring it a full circle. The Manny Diaz situation, I, I get what you're saying if you go eight and five and, and all that. I, I think it has to look different. And, and I think you have to go out there. You've got to blow the doors off Virginia Tech this weekend. You have to see if – I mean, they, do they, can they blow the doors off anybody? I don't know. I'm not sure. The play right now looks like Virginia Tech. Being a Virginia Tech guy, he froze up like Virginia Tech. He's, he's happy, by the way. Just, he froze up for a second. Like so job. I I for a second. <laughs> well, that, yeah, look, I, I, let's put it this way. I was happy for the kids that they won on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and I've also heard enough stuff where I'm pretty Virginia pretty Tech. Obviously, you're speaking of Virginia forward. Tech, yeah, because obviously, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm confident that Tech's moving forward. But with with Manny Diaz, it has to look different. Like you, you can't have the sorts of things that we've seen. And I guess I'm just not confident, Will, that that you can all of a sudden change who you are midstream. And I, I just, I really had a problem with how things looked on Saturday, and and the fact that in, in the game that was the biggest game of your season, because look, I, I mean. Alabama, obviously the best team that you're going to play all year. Yeah. And you both, but this Florida State game. I mean, it's a rival game. Rival. But you could also have made it four straight wins. You're trending in the right direction. Maybe a chance at the Coastal. Well, that's the thing. is like you sold us all, all for years now. And it's all about getting to Charlotte. And, I mean, it is still in your grasp. Pittsburgh almost lost North Carolina the other night. They went to overtime. Pittsburgh loses a game. And all of a sudden, like, you're it there. there. It was there. It was there. Um, yeah. So, I, I feel like you had everything in front of you. And you still came out. And you were undisciplined. And and you showed the same problems that we've seen when this team was going bad. So to me, Will, that says that when the stakes are high, this team under Manny Diaz is going to revert back to what yeah, they've seen. But and I think we're having we're having two different conversations here. The conversation you're having and, we, and part of what I've been having is it, we're in agreement. I mean, a change is probably necessary. I don't think Manny's just going to all of a sudden become a, a better head coach and everything. And I know that you have to be patient. And look, you're talking to a guy who I, I people get mad at me for having defended Manny even after last year. And I said, I still think the Canes are trending in the right direction after last season. They got the quick start, the bad finish. But I thought in a COVID year with the Eric King coming back. And then there are positives for Manny. And it's mostly these young kids that have played, that he recruited, that have played well. Tyler Van Dyke being the number one in that equation. But I, I think we're having two discussions because we both agree that a change probably should happen given the way this is trending. But I think the reality is if we step back from the fan angle and from the frustration angle of the Canes losing to the rival and having the same issues, I'm not sure that Blake James in this administration right now is ready for that move. I don't, again, I go back to the original point. I don't think they're going to eat money, make a change, unless it was a disastrous year. And a disastrous year would have been three or four wins, right? If they finish with seven wins, go to a bowl, it's not a good year. Trust me, I'm not defending it at all. But I'm just saying, I think they can paint it as with the young guys, we're going in the right direction. I could be wrong. We could be found out that, that, that they, hey, they step in and say this needs to change, but I'm not optimistic. The Kane fan that's out there, saying Manny's definitely going. I think it's possible more so than I thought a few weeks ago, but I still wouldn't go out and say that I think he's getting fired.
That's just the way I feel in the situation. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and we're going to have this discussion, by the way. I mean, they got two games left potentially, but we'll have more. All right, let's get to the Miami Dolphins and uh, let's get to Tua. Tua leads the Dolphins off the bench. And we talked during, you know, the week and then on Thursday night in particular, what Brian Flores was doing, you know, why didn't you start Tua if you thought he, if he could play and be the backup? And I was really happy for Tua to go out there and did he play great? No, but he showed the toughness, which Flo has never denied that, that he has, meaning Tua. And winning that game, number one, was surprising. And now, Clay, with Tua hopefully getting better and with four very winnable games coming up, and let's face it, the Dolphins' schedule, the next four, are games that they will likely be in and could win. This is the audition. This is what we've been begging for now for Tua. Give us Tua the rest of the way and see what you have. I'm excited about that possibility. And I thought, you know, listen, I was as surprised as anybody that they won on Thursday. Uh, yeah, I, let me let me echo first what you said. I'm really happy for Tua. I felt like he's just had to deal with so much garbage. Um, and and so I, I'm happy that he was able to go out there in, in a really tough situation. You haven't gotten first team reps all week. It's a short week. You haven't been like they haven't game planned around your strengths in the play calling during practices and prep for this game. And you go out there and you win a ball game against a very, very good team. Now, I say you win the game. It's really your defense that won the game. But for Tua to go out there and manage it and, and do what was necessary. Now, I would say that even though he wasn't 100%, you still watched how he played. And you could still, if you are mm -hmm. somebody who doesn't believe in Tua long-term, you're watching that and you're saying, look, he can't stay healthy. He went out there, and and even though, yeah, the thing was there, there still wasn't zip on the ball. Like, he still didn't look. But, well, I like that he was able to go out there and finally just 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 silence people for for, for a while. And I feel like yeah. from a personal standpoint, it was I'm nice glad to see him smile. It was nice to see him smile. Yeah, you know? yeah. And on the flip side of that, it, it amazes me how the Dolphins continue to botch this quarterback situation. I, I mean, just – well, you can't tell me. And, and I fully understand the argument from Brian Flores that, look, he didn't have enough zip on the ball to make all the throws we needed for the game plan, blah, 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 blah. You can't tell me that if you're sitting there on Monday morning and you're trying to, to think of, all right, are we better off with Tua that, who looks like that versus Jacoby Brissett? And you've got three days of practice to build a game plan around either Tua at 80 to 85 percent, whatever you want to call it, or Jacoby Brissett at close to 100 you can't tell me that you can't build a better game plan around to a tongue by a lot. I mean, it was all I, short passes, anyways. It anyway, didn't take many chances. The one thirty-five yard pass to Waddle, the one broken play. I mean, there were a couple of plays, but that wasn't the game plan. No, and, and no. so uh, what I what I continue to to just shake my head. Like, uh, how many ways can you botch this situation? You've already proven that you you don't believe in the guy. And, and by you, I'm not talking about just Brian Flores. I'm talking about the entire organization. You've already proven that you don't believe in the guy to the extent that you want him to be your franchise quarterback moving forward over Deshaun Watson. You're not going for Deshaun Watson if you believe that Tua is your guy. All right, so now you are forced to move forward with Tua because you couldn't get Deshaun Watson for whatever reason. And now you continue to find ways to botch it. Well, it's just it, it, it's unbelievable to me that it, when you see him go out there and play, I, I said this when it happened and we were on a text chat thread, so uh, you know, you'll know you back me up on I said, if Tua goes out there and, and he plays okay and they win this game, it's going to be such a terrible look for this franchise once again. And that's what happened. You're happy that you won the game, 
But man, how many different ways can you botch this quarterback thing? I, and and the explanation for Brian Flores was I didn't want him to have further injury. Well, I mean, if he has the backup quarterback, I mean, there's a potential that he's going to come in and can have further injury. He played the entire second half. So the theory is you either protect him and you don't play him. You sit him out. You, you don't play him. You say, hey, he needs to get another week before we feel comfortable. Or you play him. Because Brian Flores reiterated again as he has said throughout, and he said throughout the whole Deshaun Watson saga, Tua Tungabolo is your starting quarterback. But if he's your starting quarterback, throw him out there with four fingers. I don't care. I mean, can he make those short passes? There were times he looked terrible. Like you could tell the grip was an issue. Tua admitted as much after the game. But you've got to play through that. And you've got to see what you had. Jacoby Brissett does not give you a better chance to win. I thought, again, going back to the smile of Tua, I say this with all respect in the world for Tua because we haven't really got a chance to know Tua because he got here, the pandemic and everything going on. But the Tua that I saw at Alabama was a personable guy, right? Was smiling and and, and granted winning always helps a, a personality and smiling. Clay, I don't know if you agree with me and I don't know if Dolphin fans will either. He's looked miserable the last six months. Can, can, joy, look, can I? Can I? The yeah, joy I mean, and smile is gone, and I blame the Dolphins for that. He looks. He looks. He looked almost miserable in the post game because it was almost like a relief of wow, I finally got the chance to do something and feel good for a moment. But will they do this to everybody? I, I mean, they suck the soul out of you. They do. It's and uh, you know, it's. I was talking to a former player, and and he told me that he played for three different. Uh, regimes with the Dolphins. This is going back a few years. And what he told me was every single regime told me some version of the media are your enemy and they're out here to create a story out of nothing. So you are to say nothing. And, and to be fair, this was not this current regime. So I, I'm not, but there seems to be for whatever reason within the Dolphins organization, I'm sure a lot of NFL teams are like this, Protective. but it doesn't I, I, feel I you need to protect. Yeah. But, but it feels like the Dolphins more so than most, like, they just want their players to show nothing. I mean, no personality, no nothing. And I think with Tua, it, it's taken a step further because he's just been beaten down so badly. By, by the way, not by and... us, not by the media. No, the no, national no, 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 media no, no, has no, no, definitely no. been very tough. Maybe some in the local, but the Dolphins themselves, with everything that happened, we don't have to rehash the Watson story again, but it's really pushed him down. You could just tell in his face, Clay, not that I'm a facial expert as somebody as far as how they body language and stuff, but it's clear that Tua has been beaten down everything that happened. And and so it's on top of whatever it is that they don't want these guys to say to the media and don't want to show some sort of personality or whatever it is. It's the fact that he's constantly being reminded that they don't believe in him and, and they don't, well, they, better, they better, they better start the rest of this way. I don't know what's going to happen in the off season, but it's his job now. Yeah. Hopefully this, these extra few days will make a difference. And he's, uh, I would hate to see him not start and go through this Jacoby towards our backup guy again next week. And let me go, let me get one more thing on this. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm jumping around, but my goodness, like if, if your whole reason for not playing Tua is because you're protecting him from himself and the finger and all that Tua goes out there for one series. I don't even know if he'd gone out for an entire series. Jacoby Brissett wanted to come back in the game. And yeah. and we haven't heard – we're recording this glad, on Sunday night. I'm, I'm glad Flo said stop. No, no, I agree. I agree. But if if your reasoning for not playing Tua in the first place is because of that, the the option that you had no problem playing at the beginning of the game for that reason is no. still sitting it does, there. It doesn't it's, go yet. Yeah, it doesn't go together. It, 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 it was doesn't, a, bad, yes, it doesn't it was a bad look and another further bad look in the, what's supposed to be the development of Tua – I'm glad the Dolphins got the win. The fan base got to enjoy a win. And look, while we talk about Tua and he was tough and he, he certainly wasn't the reason they won. I mean, it was the defense and that defense sparked that turnaround. So Clay, when you look at this defense and you look at those four games I just mentioned coming up, very winnable games, 
would it be crazy to think that led by this defense in a month from now, the Dolphins could be four wins, four more wins these next four weeks and be a seven and seven team? Is that crazy to think or is it possible? I mean, it's it's possible and it's crazy. I mean, it's 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 possible in the sense that you're getting to that point in the year where where teams are starting to believe or they're starting to lose their belief. And you could see a world where they go out there and, and they play a, a, a bad team next weekend and they win that game. Then all of a sudden the belief starts to grow a little bit. And I thought from the beginning one, I think we've talked about this a bit, that I, I think the defense's biggest problem is that the offense leaves them on the field too much. And when you have a game like we had the other night where the defense was, was forcing three and outs and the offense was possessing the ball at least enough. Um, to to allow that defense to get rested and re-energized and had a great game plan. No, I don't think it's impossible. I think it's a little crazy to think that this team, given what we've seen from them this year, can go out there and string together. Four yeah, it has wins the consistency in a row. Here, right. in a row. Yeah. Right. No, so it's, it's it's not that it's impossible. It's that I haven't seen anything from this team that makes me believe that as a team, not as a defense, but as a team that Thursday night was any more than than a one-off versus something that could be a trend. Yeah, and, and I think, too, we talk about this when we talk about the Dolphins. Other teams are looking at their schedule saying, hey, we got the Dolphins coming up. We so true, team, yeah. We got a yeah. team that's yeah. not very good. But I think that the only thing that makes me feel good right now, I mentioned Tua and getting that opportunity. I want to see him close and be the guy down the stretch and see what you got before you make decisions in the offseason. But I think the defense that we've seen now – the reason it's encouraging is because we thought a strength of this team would be defense. And whether Brian Flores says it or not, he had a say into what happened again in that Baltimore game as far as calling plays. And he's going to give Josh Boyer all the credit, and he's going to say it wasn't him, but it was clearly him. And Flo getting involved is only a better thing because that is his strength, and that's what he was, and that's what got him an opportunity to be a head coach. The only reason I think the Dolphins could reel off some wins is because I don't think this defensive effort was a fluke. See, if, I, if this was a fluke, first of all, they contained an MVP. They had a game plan that was just rattled uh, maybe the most electric player in the NFL, Lamar Jackson. But I think more so, they got to the style of what they'd like to do and what they're supposed to do. And by the way, Jalen Phillips, a month ago, you had Dolphins screaming, oh, Greg Rousseau was so much better. And I love Greg Rousseau. You know how much I was on Greg Rousseau, and I love him, and I think he's going to be a great pro, and he's been a solid rookie already. But Jalen Phillips' skills and his ability to to be versatile and chase guys like Lamar Jackson down and chase other quarterbacks down and, and, and just be all over the field is starting to show. And you're starting to see why. And by the way, Javon Holland, I mean, let's, let's rip Chris Greer all we want. And, and a lot of it is justified and we could go down the list, but the young defensive players that they've got in this draft are making an impact to go along with X and doing what he does and why he's one of the best defensive players and certainly best corners in the league. I think this defense is back to what it can be. And if they just have some level of consistency there and Tua and the offense can do something, and granted, they can't run the ball. They still can't run the ball. They're still lacking playmakers. They're still lacking the ability to get the big play. Jalen Waddles, the first-round pick, is still, you know, he made the one big play, but for the most part, it's five, six-yard completions. But you can win some ugly games. You can win some ugly games and be back into the respectable category, which two weeks ago at one and seven, two weeks ago, no, a week ago, going yeah. into the last week at one and seven, uh, this looked like a lost season. And I'm not so sure it is anymore if this defense plays like this. Yeah, and we'll see what I, I, I think. The problem, again, is that I, I think you can get some wins. I think if you told me that – if you asked me, do I think it's that there's even a good chance that they could go – three and one over the next four. And you look at the, at the schedule. Sure. Because I can kind of pick and choose and say, all right, well, maybe they have, they play over their heads in this game 
and this is their their clunker of a game. And and the problem is that you've gotten to a point where you have to win all four of these games in I mean, order I mean, to when to you make, start one and seven, you got to win them all. I mean, yeah. That's so I, it's it's more that because of the lack of consistency, even on offense, I'm saying that in a four game stretch your defense isn't going to be perfect in every game. And so they're going to have a couple of coverage busts and, and then you're going to have a turn. And, and the, other, the, the problem on offense, Will, and, and I think the, the play that kind of summed up everything for me was, and it was a great play. It was the flea flicker. Oh, where it gosh. ended up. The check down flea flicker. It was a flea flicker. Check that down. one, light it on fire and throw it away. Because, but you had two oh, man, receivers who, if, if Tua had been able to hold on to the ball for another yeah. half a second, like guys were running free. But because he was about to get absolutely annihilated, he did the, strut, the smart thing and 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 I mean, dumped it off to Miles Gaskin. A, a check down on a flu flicker is quite the uh, quite the play. It, but I think it's kind of <laughs> it was it's symbolic. Right it was, yeah. but it, it's symbolic of a of, of a perfectly called play, something that was designed really well, something that clearly caught Baltimore off guard. And yet, even though everybody on Miami, including the linemen, knew that it was coming, they still got beaten. And and it yeah. was only because of, of Tua's quick thinking and Miles Gaskin being in the right spot. And you give them credit. But just to me, well, the offensive line is going to continue to be such a big issue that it's yeah, not going to help. I mean, I, uh, look, if, if the, the best thing about the offensive line is is Robert Hunt. And, and unless you're going to move him out to tight end or, or H-back, I'm not sure more. that it's going to fix the more Robert Hunt. Catching screen passes, but this time be eligible and we'll be fine. Yeah. Gotta get that play the play. But by the way, they're not gonna win four in a row because they play the Giants. They're gonna lose one. But there I'm you gonna, go. There you go. Danny Dimes. Of course, yeah. No, but they let look. I'm glad for Dolph fans they got that energy that to be able to win a couple games in five days after the miserable seven-game losing streak and hopefully now get to a playing well. We'll see. All right, let's get to the heat. Bouncing back after a losing streak. And Clay, they lost three in a row on the road. Duncan Robinson wasn't playing well. Uh he came to life. But I thought Kyle Lowry has been the real spark on this road trip. Like all these road trips and all these stretches have little things that come to light, right? Of things that you say to yourself, what can we learn from this? Kyle being Kyle now and seeing the score he is, you know, Jimmy's injury doesn't seem significant. He's questionable already for the Monday night game at OKC. Uh, But Kyle Lowry being himself again and the heat bouncing back with the Utah I'm feeling good again. I got the heat. I think anybody who was feeling bad after a three-game losing streak, losing stinks. It's not fun, but they had a lot of injury issues, and you knew Duncan would get hot. And Spo has said it over and over: he's going to get hot. But Kyle Lowry, to me, has been the key to this, and you're starting to see why he's so vital—not just as a facilitator, but man, he took over in that Clippers game in the fourth, and he made some big plays in Utah as well. I feel the same way about this team that I did two weeks into the regular season when they were, you know, and actually, I think last just last week they were still number one in the NBA.com power rankings or whatever. Mm-hmm. I still feel the same way. If they're healthy in April, they are going to be a problem. And and honestly, if they're healthy and they look in April like they did the first two weeks of the season, I would take them over anybody in the East right now. And and that's that's not uh, full credit to, to what Milwaukee did last season. I have no clue what Brooklyn's going to look like at the end of the year with the Kyrie Irving situation. James Harden seems to be playing better, but I mean, can, can we really count? So to me, Will, this team, when they're whole and they're healthy, they are a problem. And I'd like to see what happens when Oladipo comes back. I'd like to see if they end up going and trying to add somebody at the backup point guard spot uh, at the at the buyout, uh, when buyouts start happening. Or even if, if Mickey Harrison decides to give the green light to go into the luxury tax because this team is so good. But, Will, I, I feel like those three games, you can easily look at it and say – Bad losses, right? Like horrible. Yeah. Lo- the, the, the Denver game. The Lakers. So the Lakers' loss was a brutal loss. Let's I mean, be and, I, and, and look, I think the Clippers won, like, because they're they're a team that had a lot of guys out too. So to me, it was you. you 
and I hate single anybody out, but man, I, I mean, Duncan misses the layup. He misses a free throw. He, so like you, you, you look at all of that and say, yes, those were bad losses for those reasons. And yet it doesn't change how you feel about this team when they're whole and when they're healthy and, and, yeah, and we man. get back to, to when it really counts. That's the one constant, right? Like we talk about the Dolphins and what they could be. We talk about the Canes and their future. I mean, the one constant is this Heat team, what have we said along? When they're healthy, this is a really good team. This is a top five team in the league. I agree with you that they could be the best team in the East. I think that they show when they're clicking. And by the way, we didn't even reference Tyler Hero, who steps in for Jimmy in the two games against 23 and 27. I mean, Tyler's been phenomenal. He does that when he comes off the bench as well. Duncan getting the six threes is important. I wasn't too worried about Duncan. I think so many people made a big deal, a contract, a podcast, all this silliness. Duncan's a great shooter. Shooters get in slumps, have to keep shooting. And the beauty is he has the support of his teammates. Uh, and I think defensively as well, they continue to be their identity, that defense. There are times they get a little slippage on defense. That's normal over the course of the season. But this team, when healthy, that's the only thing. Look, by the way, we, P.J. Tucker, you know, double-double. I, 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 was, I was waiting for you to finish so I could it's bring him up. This, man. It's just been in, in, in doing the little things. It's just been so key to this team. The, the other thing about him, Will, and, and you and I were both out at Media Day, when I saw him in person, I was struck by how short he is. And, and I say short. strong, dude. Because I'm looking, a, I'm looking at him strong. like, like right, I mean, I'm 6'4", and he and I are, are pretty much the same height. And, you know, I mean, for for – Normal human being. Well, right? you're the local four, 10 for, power forwards. So yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, look at the look at these muscles, right? Yeah. Um, but I I think with Pete, he plays so much taller than he is. Mm-hmm. And I, I say taller, I'm not saying he plays bigger because man, he is is strong. And like you when you see him out on the perimeter and he's having to guard, who was it? Well, maybe you can re- remind me of this. Maybe it was Paul George that he got ISO'd on the other night. And he did this thing where, where Paul George was uh, – I showed him at the top of the key. And P.J., like, he, he, he shuffles his right foot back like he's a bull about to, t- about to charge a bullfighter. And right. it was – By the way, he is a bull. He's- he is. But it was like, it was like man, I, so I can guard guys down low. I can go get rebounds, even though I'm six four. I'm gonna dive on yeah, the floor balls. and I'm gonna love hurt that. people. That I'm gonna take charges. And, and you charge, make which, by me, the way, eat your best in the league at right. But you make me guard an elite wing player like Paul George, like Kevin Durant. That's what I live for. So, well, I don't with PJ. I don't know where is the weakness with him. Bait, bait, you know, I'm not obviously he's not going to be it's, an elite that's four. That's, but, that's but, but like that's not what he's expected to be or needed. Everything that you're looking for. I mean, he. I've been. I guess I'm even more surprised by him. And I guess, I guess it was, was it Riley or Spo that said this? I think it was Riley who said this, that he was even more impressed by PJ Tucker having had him in the building for a couple of weeks before the season started. I can say that, that like right now, after seeing him, like I'm, I'm on the same page as right. Like you knew that he brought that winning mentality, but like, that's something that's intangible. What is tangible to me is seeing him out there, like charging at, at elite wing players at the yeah. three-point line and then fighting down low. I've been blown away by him. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a team right now, again, at eight and five. You know, they're, they're about where you expected them to be. And, and by the way, Pat Riley kept referencing before the season in his news conference, hey, we have that tough schedule. They have just veered and navigated through the schedule with only that – really the blemish is that three-game losing streak. But overall, they've won some big games. They've won some tough games. They've won some games shorthanded. They've won some games where they had to come back. They've won some games where they've blown out teams. This team has shown early in the season already what it can and really is. Uh, so anybody that was concerned about Duncan, anyone that was concerned about Kyle, I had people asking me like, hey, you know, Kyle's been great as a facilitator, at least the offense, but man, when is he going to score? 
Now I just say, relax, guys. Kyle's going to score, and he's not needed to always score. The one guy who really is needed to always score is sort of Tyler. Tyler's because he's the one guy that, unlike other guys, there's not much else to his game as far as what this team needs. Like, he's not an elite defender. Uh, he, he, he's not an elite ball handler, though he does both much better. He's improved at, especially the ball handling. When Tyler plays, though, his job is to score. His mm-hmm. job is to Where with Jimmy and Bam, they have other things they do in, in, in defense and rebounding and toughness and, you know, f- facilitating all those things. Tyler's on the court and he's got a score. Man, he hasn't disappointed. You know, I can't I can't finish a heat conversation without praising Tyler. All the stuff and all that was made about his podcast, about, you know, what he said about, about uh, Luca. You know, Luca and Trey Young. That he said, yes, so how, how dare how dare him say that? How dare he say that he wants to be a good player? Yeah, how, and people took it and ran because that's what we do. And that's well, back to your, what you said about the Dolphins. That's one thing media does is that they'll take a and take a fact as a headline, but the full story isn't in the headline. You know, and then you'll read the story and say, oh, okay, his quote wasn't that bad. He was just saying, hey, that's where I, I think I should be. Be considered. I should get to. I should. Get that's to. what I want to get to. Right. Exactly. Not what I am. And, you know, it took off and ran. But Pat Riley also said in that news conference that he had, he said, what did he say? He's like, if you're going to say something, you better do it. <laughs> and Tyler's and he is. doing it. And, and, doing and, it. and uh, I think it was – I'm trying to think of who got switched onto him the other night. It was a really, really good defender. And, and again, much like I said about P.J. Tucker. Avery where he Bradley. Liked, he took yes. school to Avery Bradley. Yes. He was like – I think he was four or six against – or five or six against Avery Bradley. Who, yes. About the only thing could still do other than torch the heat with threes in a game is play defense. Right. And, and again, in the Utah game, so I think maybe Gobert had even gotten switched off onto him at, at one point. And like Tyler, he doesn't, he doesn't buckle. Like he, he doesn't, it's almost like when he sees somebody that's, that's supposedly really good defensively on him, then he like immediately like goes back into. So I, no, I just, he's, yeah, he's I, I give him a ton of credit. And you're right. They, they need his scoring, but I think it's, it's becoming less of like a, a variable with him. It's not going to be, oh, well, we really hope that he can score tonight or we really need him. No, he's going like, to no, he's he's score. score and, yeah. and it's how, because yeah, Will, and this is the last thing I'll say about him is he's doing it in so many different ways. I, I'm, I'm blown away. He, he seems to be a little bit more consistent with the three-pointer than what we saw last year. But his ability to get into the lane and oh, easily, and, it's, and the I, way I mean, he uses manipulates his body to use the glass on shots over floating it over guys and off glass is impressive. There's nothing you can do. And and two guys I want to mention before we get out of here is uh, Caleb Martin. Man, I, I've I've been so fine. Yeah. You talk about a guy who, I mean the 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 acquisition it didn't just fly under the radar. It was flat out ignored by a lot of us. And I was like, oh, I don't. Even, I think I was actually working that day, not even bother mentioning on the sportscast. It was just like, all right, well, they added somebody else to mm-hmm. to fill out their roster. But, you know, I, I think it was uh, Borgales, Coach Borgales, who said he'll fit exactly what they're trying to do down there as far as his mentality and working hard. And, I, I mean, he was somebody who went right at Gobert on, on Saturday night and had a big bucket. I mean, it's so I, between him and then the other guys, Dwayne Dedman. I mean, again, you're, you're, yeah. you're talking about guys coming off the bench that are, are putting in the sorts of minutes. That, yeah. yeah. And, but it's, it's, it's the type of contribution that you need when you're not a hundred percent that, that your other guys are going to be healthy all the time, or you're going to want to give them some breathers here and there. I'm now confident they have guys who can step up and, and make plays when necessary. Final thing I want to talk about, we'll talk about it briefly because there's a lot of offseason left, is the Marlins. And I texted you this morning. I'm like, do you really buy this talk about Starlin, the Marlin again? I mean, the Marlins, I know it was John Heyman, Barry Jackson, a couple of reports about that the Marlins are looking to 
Starlin Martega. And my thing is, look, the Marlins, I believe that they will spend money this offseason. I don't know how much money they'll spend. I don't think they're going to go on the cheap on things. But you had a chance to – Starlin Martega was here. You had a chance on a three-year, what, $50 million contract was reported that basically they wouldn't offer him that much. And Starling, you know, they couldn't reach a deal. He goes out and he plays like an MVP in Oakland, almost leads him into the playoffs. I mean, he was, he was phenomenal down the stretch for them. You buying that they, that Starlin Marte could actually end up in Miami again? No, no. I, I'm buying that somebody is putting it out there or some bodies are putting it out there that, that there is interest because I, I could see where interest would serve both parties well. I can see where, you know, from Marte's perspective and his rep's perspective that having another team in the mix is being interested could drive up the price. And I, I think from the Marlins' perspective, having it out there that – you're willing to to get in with the big boys, so to speak, and, and compete against a <laughs> believe uh, us. We'll spend money. Believe us. Believe us. I mean, we're talking to to one of the the top free agent outfielders on the market, even though we had him in our own own clubhouse and could have kept him. So I could see benefits to to both sides for for them getting this out there. But I don't think it happens ultimately because you're you're going to end up having to compete against some of the, the the biggest spenders in Major League Baseball in order to get somebody who's a real difference maker. So, yeah. you know, I I think I, I do believe that the Marlins are gonna are gonna bring in some players. I do believe that they intend on spending. I don't believe that. Put it this way, I don't believe that they intend on spending to the level that no. it seems to be out there and yeah. that fans seem to be grabbing no, they're not getting the Carlos they Correa will. they're not getting Nick right. Castellanos I hate to say it I don't think they're getting Starling Marte to your point those are the elite free agents that are going to cost and the, you know maybe not Marte as much but I mean Castellanos and Correa and these guys even the Chris Taylor these are guys that are going to cost a lot of money and I don't see how that you know how that I, I saw Garcia from the Brewers was linked. You had the name that there's there's a guy that could possibly be there. I think it'll be in that balance of what they've got. You when they it's not going to be the scrap heap kind of guy like when they went out and got Adam Duvall and ended up being a great pickup and they paid him a few million and Jesus Aguilar whose career was kind of in flux and they picked him up for a few million and he turned out to be a quality player. I can't imagine that's the offseason plan for the Marlins, but I also can't imagine that they're going to be throwing out hundred million dollar contracts. I just don't see how that happens. I just don't see, I don't, I don't see that being what they're thinking, but I was curious when his name came up. So I figured, you know, let's give Marlins fans their treat. We'll talk. Well, some and, and, and yeah, look, here's the other thing from a Marlins perspective. It's all right. You give, you give fans reason to be excited. You make them at least feel like you're trying. And the other thing is when you do then start to pursue the, the, the next level of free agent, the second, third tier guy, which well, I think is more tried. likely. You just say we tried. But you we, you we say we tried, but then you, you also can go to that second and third tier players rep and say, hey, look, we're also interested in X, Y, Z. But if you sign on the dotted yeah. line for less money quicker, then we'll forget going after them and we'll consider you our big ticket acquisition. So like, you can just see a number of reasons why it makes sense for both sides to have it out there. But I think the bigger overarching no. thing is I can't see any scenario in which it actually happens. I went into the offseason thinking, yes, the Marlins will spend more. I think they will. Not big, but more. But I also went in thinking that if they're going to make a splash acquisition, if they're going to make a big, if they're going to get a bat, it's likely going to come by trading some of the young yeah. pitching they have. Yeah. And I still yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. the avenue. I think a trade with some of the young pitching and getting a guy that's controllable for a few years where you don't have to yet pay him the big money makes more sense than thinking they're going to go out and spend the kind of money it would take to get a Castellano or even a Starling Marte. So uh, that's your Miami Sports Pod. We appreciate you listening watching subscribing uh clay will be back at it next week I, we almost had a nice week with the canes and, and finish off with all positivity but we'll see where the dolphins take us and what the new week brings we appreciate listening and watching